Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What Exit Jersey Stories. I'm Nick Franco, and with me, as always, Peter Riario. And this week, are, we are really excited to have our guest. He is the author of the Exit Zero trilogy, the zombie apocalypse that, yes, happens in New Jersey, or, 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 or the, the setting is. And uh, also, um, the, uh, the Business is Dead, um, which we will actually be jumping into uh in, in a little bit here actually you know what uh neil neil cohen is our guest neil uh would you would you like to introduce yourself how you doing uh thank you so much for having me this beautiful sunday afternoon um i'm actually uh out of new jersey today i'm outside of new jersey right now broadcasting but it is a beautiful sunny almost 70 degrees uh where i'm at down here in washington dc how is it up there in uh, jersey it's actually uh, pretty nice out uh, today. It's it's not as cold as it's uh, been. What what would you say, Pete? Like maybe like fifties? Yeah, exactly. Low fifties is what I would say. Yeah. yeah. Hey man, bring on that friggin' global warming, man! It's beautiful. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what else do we have to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing much. So, so, so uh, like you said, oh, yeah. so introducing myself, Neil Cohen, yeah. author of the Exit Zero Zombie Trilogy, Exit Zero Zombie, because you always knew the zombie apocalypse was going to begin in New Jersey. And then my fourth book, which came out uh, in 2019, right at the end of 2019, which I planned to promote all through 2020 and had all these great, amazing 2020 um, uh, personal appearances planned. And then shit. But uh, that book is called Business is Dead, Resurrecting Entrepreneurship. That was actually my very first nonfiction book, and but I'll get into it. It's a little uh, very cool book about unique entrepreneurship that uh, actually came to me while at a con in New Jersey um, where I was appearing at a con. I came up with the idea. Uh, I literally wrote my publisher that night and I said, I got this friggin' idea. And I had pitched him about three ideas since I had finished Exit Zero, the last book. And he, nah, nah, nah. And I really honestly thought, I, you know what? I had my head. I'm done. I, uh, I'm out of ideas. I'm, I'm wasted. I'm washed up. I'm over. I just might as well throw myself off a bridge. And then suddenly I came up with this idea. And I sent it to him and he goes, write it up to me. He's like, done. We're, we're going with that. But anyway, we'll get to that a little right. later. Excellent. 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 Um, yeah. and, and actually, but j- just well, one uh, thing really quick from that book. I love the the term that you've coined, venturepreneurship. Well, and I want to stress uh, so that if there's any lawyers listening, I did not come up with the term entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I probably am the, uh, the first person to use it in the United States. But actually what happened was I I, th- I came up with it. I thought I came up with it. And I said, you know, that is an absolute great term. And I I Googled it, and sure enough, someone else had written a research paper on the on the topic oh. of entrepreneurship. It was a girl in um, in in Sweden, <laughs> oh. and so I re- yeah, and I reached out to her, and she had written her like 
graduate school thesis on the topic of entrepreneurship. So wow. someone playing music there. You playing me off already? Am I bored? No, 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 no. Holy <laughs> shit, man. man bombing. You get me. Not exactly up. sure what that no. was. <laughs> so um, uh, it's probably Ming from a shared universe uh, just checking in on us. Uh, yes. saying, who's, who's abusing uh, who's abusing my podcast network? Um, but um, mm-hmm. no, so I reached out to her and I actually interview her in the book. Excellent. Oh, very Excellent. nice. But let, let's let's uh, head, head back a little bit. The Exit Zero trilogy. The first book, of course, Exit Zero. Second book, Nuke Jersey. Yep. And third one, mm-hmm. Zombie Democracy. Yes. What was the inspiration to, well, you know, number one, Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah. What, what, what was the inspiration for that? And then we'll ask the next question on this. So it was really two great tastes that taste great together. So what happened was um, I'm a zombie fan, always been obsessed mm-hmm. with zombies, just love it. Consumer of zombie literature, watcher of zombie movies, uh, big, big, big fan. Um, and uh, I had written a short story about the beginning of the zombie apocalypse, which I thought I had come up with a very unique original way of the zombie apocalypse you know and this is this is not exactly a uh, unique uh, concept people have been writing about this as books as movies everything i thought i'd come up with something really new and i wrote it as a short story to my friends now on the side i have this email fight club that i belong to with all my jersey friends from high school we went to Excellent. i'm from hazlitt went to raritan yeah. high school all my friends from high school we are now 50, I am 54. And so they're all between 52 to 54, 55. Got it. And we talk five, six times a day. And I wow. swear to God, I don't know if this is a Jersey thing. I've met so many people, but, anyway, but not mm-hmm. talk, just we, we were on email and then we switched to texting. But it, the, the rules of the group are, there is nothing off limits. I'm talking friends, family, kids, nothing. You, if you can get offended at anything, do not be on this chain. It it's is like there yeah. it is a free for all, but the goal is to make everyone else on the chain laugh at yep. any expense, at any cost. It's to be funny and to make everybody else laugh. And and we've had people that joined and had to drop off because they were getting offended, like from our friends. They just couldn't take it, you know, they mm-hmm. couldn't take the ribbing. So I started writing stories about our time in high school, the degenerate, ridiculous bullshit that we got away with in high school and the things we did. And honestly, I was, I think because I was not really a drinker, I was literally, if you, if I opened a beer and a spray hit me in the face, I was drunk. So I never really got into drinking even in high school, but my friends were just heavy, heavy, heavy boozers. And so being the sober one, I remember this. I remember all of it. And they don't. And so I would write out these stories. Do you remember that? And they're like, holy shit. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I remember that forever. And, and I would write all these stories. And they couldn't believe I remembered it. So I started writing it. And then they're like, Neil, you got to write this book. Write this book. So finally, I had so many of these stories. I said, you know, maybe this is a book. So I finished writing. I was about 140 pages in. And I said, you know, this is funny. But, you know, it's funny to us. Everybody has their, oh, I was drinking beers and got chased by the cops through the woods story. Oh, I was, uh, you know, 
acting the fool in high school. I was, I, uh, you know, some girl's dad kicked in our door in the morning and said, if we ever come near his daughter again, you know, he's going to kill us. Everybody has those stories. So I'm like, these are funny, mm. but I just didn't, I, I didn't know how to position it. I said, you know, it, it, and they were really like, my friends are really psyched about me push the book. And I said, well, what if I took these characters, exaggerated them a little bit, and put them into the zombie apocalypse. And then it's a story. It's not just like, oh, it's me and my friends acting a jackass in high school and all right, like that. Rec- recanting tales of. Uh, yeah, you know, and, me and, and now we're adults and we're still idiots. It was it was a story. And so I, I, I took all the characters. And so every character in Exit Zero is a real person. Now, some wow. of them are I mishmash of two or three people or some obvious all of them obviously exaggerated they have Mm -hmm. to be it's a book it's fictional it's got to be funny and interesting but that was it and then over the course of three years and and people don't really get that that it takes a lot this took three friggin years it became a book and so then i said you know and i really was thinking this is a book for my friends but then I was like, this is a goddamn book here. I've written a goddamn book. And I never even set out to write a book. I never set out to read a book. I'm not, you know. <laughs> so I sent it to a bunch of publishers, and they all told me, go pound sand. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of them came and said, you know, it's interesting. Come back to us when you've written your third book. And I said, well, I'm not really interested in writing books. This was the one and done. So we're in the golden age. This was 2013. You know, I self-published. And mm-hmm. I self-published. Uh, I actually made it as a graphic novel. I had about 20 pages of sequential illustration in there. And I hired a guy, did it, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I started doing Comic-Cons, and that's where I met you guys the first time. This is 2013. This was the original version of the book. Mm-hmm. And I started doing Comic-Cons, and I'm selling the hell out of it. And I, I really went out. You know, I, I'm not a shy, shrinking, violet wallflower here. So when I went to cons... I had built a whole booth of that looked like an overrun, and I hope you remember this. It looked like an overrun zombie quarantine zone. We had PVC mm-hmm. piping and fake barbed wire and fake, yep. and I had a hazmat suit and bloody hands and everything hanging oh. from it, grenades and <laughs> gas masks and everything. And I and I got the real stuff. I got military grade gas masks. I went all out, mm-hmm. and it, I kind of cr- tried to create this like event at the cons and. It hit, and instead of sending the book, I I printed out my sales numbers from Amazon, and I sent those off to the publishers. And one of the publishers comes back, goes, Neil, you know, you're not a great writer, but you can sell books. I've got a hundred great writers who can't sell three books. You can sell books, and so they sign me, and he goes, so we we got to give you. And I never did this myself, you know, public school education, rare in high school. Uh, Trenton State College, you know. Oh wow! Now, now College of New Jersey. <laughs> College of New Jersey. You know, you know it's true. I, I I don't know if this is true. I've heard this is true, and I've heard this is not. A, a, when they released the College of New Jersey and did the unveiling of the sign, they had spelled mm-hmm. college wrong. I, I heard be that. surprised. I would that not be college, surprised. I'll look it up. <laughs> look it up. I, I've been told that because I did a book signing for the, the College of New Jersey Entrepreneurship Club of my last book uh, uh, right before COVID hit. So it was December of 19. 
And it was really cool. Uh, I was at the Barnes and Noble on campus, campus town, Barnes and Noble, who were great. And a bunch of the students came and all that kind of stuff. And then afterwards, we were just hanging out for a while. And they were telling me that story. And I was like, it can't be true. There's no friggin' way. That is the, the College of New Jersey misspelled college on their uh, sign. I, I, again, and, I would not be they, surprised. It's, it's just one of those gaffes that just like <laughs> – <laughs> the kids swear to me that that's a true story. So anyway, um, so now, now, what, um, when, when did you graduate from uh, from Trenton State? I graduated 1990. 1990. That's, oh, wow. Uh, uh, no, I don't have that up there. I got to hang my college thing up there. I had never got the new the college of New Jersey. They told me twenty dollars to send me a new one. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, still have I, I, I had a buddy that was actually a couple years behind you, and that's why I was like, "Oh, wait a second! What what year did uh, Neil?" Uh... <laughs> well, I yeah, it, technically, I think it was 1989. I walked in 1990, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, like I, like so, I went. Trying to think, and it's funny how I picked. And my my daughter is actually going to college next year, and the reason I, I chose Trenton State College is so absolutely ridiculous that I just uh, so. I remember going, uh, I lived in Hazlitt and I send off to, uh, to the college applications. I get accepted to a couple schools, not many. Um, but I went and looked at one and I, it was a cold winter day. And I remember just it being cold and snowy and it was like, not like nice snowy. It was like the snow had been there for a while and been shoveled and now it's uh, and black and shitty. And I was like, Man, I don't know. It just it felt cold. And, and then I went to Trenton State College and it was still winter and it was a beautiful sunny day. And it's just weird how this stuff. And I still remember this is saying. And so we're walking on campus and I and it was a Friday and Thursday nights was the big party night and beer bottles were filling every garbage can. And then I remember we got they were showing us a tour of the dorms and I got into the elevator. We get in the elevator and there's like three trash bags filled with beer bottles, beer cans, beer hole. And I'm a high school kid. I'm thinking, this is my school. This is where I want to go. This is Animal House. This is it. And that's why I chose it. Isn't that weird? Like, looking back, and, and by the way, the other school was Harvard. No. Um, yeah. so, hmm, Harvard, uh, Trenton State. Yeah, I know. So that's why I went to Trenton State. And, you know, probably I would never recommend that type of uh, agreement to look at colleges or that kind of uh, decision making process. But uh, it's like, you know. how many how many bags of uh, beer bottles can you find? Yep. This is the place for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, oh, they're here to drink and party. That's where I want to go to college and, and, and make the rest of my life. And now maybe in the future, I'll actually write zombie books. Wow. You know, that's <laughs> great decision making there as a typical 17, 18 year old or whatever I was at the time but uh yeah no so i graduated i guess it was 89 90 90 i think it was um i remember i graduated high school class of 1985 i remember that so yeah that would be probably 89 i guess what year was your buddy uh my buddy i think was was he 91 or 92 i, I have oh, to double check with him his name was aiden so oh sure aiden yes everyone knows aiden. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We hazed him, no. Um, <laughs> no, but it was funny is is honestly, I touch base every so often on Facebook with some of my friends from college and I love them and everything, they're great. But my high school friends are who I talk to every day. Like my high school friends. That's uh, 40 years ago. I'm like, yeah. 30 something years ago. And we're still on 
It's group fighting. Oh, wait. So I never even finished. Where did I finish? We were talking about that. Oh, so the publisher, just to close out yeah. that story, the publisher yeah. says, hey, you know what? You're not a great writer, but you tell a good story. You sell books. People like your shit. So we're going to bring you on. Uh, he's like, I, I, I'm going to give you a professional editor. We're going to re-edit your book because you don't know how to spell and you don't understand tensing and you don't understand anything. <laughs> so in your professional editor, they re-edited the book. They stripped out the illustrations. They're like, we don't want that. Um, and then the book got released. So about two weeks after it got released, Snooky, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. tweets out, uh, um, oh my, and it says, you know, zombie apocalypse because you always knew the zombie or exit zero because you always knew the zombie apocalypse being in Jersey. She goes, Oh my god, I died and went to zombie heaven, mm-hmm. and a picture of her holding my book. So I was actually up in <laughs> Atlantic City when that happened, and I was, oh, okay. I li- and I live, in, but I live in Virginia now, mm-hmm. and I'm right. driving back, and my wife starts calling me like crazy. And so I literally go, what's up? And she goes, Snooky just tweeted out about your book. I didn't have Twitter. I literally didn't oh, wow. even have Twitter at that time. <laughs> I was like, oh, how do I see it? How do I see it? I'm Googling it. How? And she goes, no, you got to go on Twitter. I go, I don't have freaking Twitter. I didn't even know what it was. I literally, this, this is 2003. So I pulled over to the side of the Garden State Parkway and I downloaded Twitter onto my phone and I saw it. And then I called my publisher and he stopped publishing immediately and put that onto the cover of the book and then re-released yep. the book. So then, yeah, right. so that, was, that was it. And, you know, and so, well, then, so, it, so there was the first version of the book. This is what happened. So there's the first version of the book, the self-published version. It looked very different. The, the cover looks very different. You know, this is what it looked like when you saw originally. Yes. Oh, wow. yep. Yeah, that was the first version. And then I love that. You see that? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> The Jersey so, Strong uh, shirt. And, all, uh. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the original, and then the second came out, which a couple people got, and then the Snooky version. So <laughs> what happened was the that publisher got bought by another publisher, and that publisher said, "I like this book. I want two more." And remember, I was one and done. I thought this was a joke to begin with. I, I was writing this to entertain my friends. Right. Um, and But I had started because I got so into it. And I loved going to the cons. Because remember, at this point, I really got into the cons. Now I'm going to all the East Coast Comic Cons, Asbury Park Comic Con, Horror Cons, uh, Walking Dead Cons. And I'm like, I love this. Love it, love it, love it. But I got to keep this going. Because now, you know, it's been a year and the book's been out. Um, so I had started writing a second. They came back and I said, well, we want th- three. I go, oh, shit, man. I don't know if I can do that. That's, that's a heavy goddamn commitment. And so I said, well, I'm already writing the second one. Let me see. And it took a while. And by a year later, I got the second one out. A year after that, the third. And the third came out. So it was 15, 17 was uh, New Jersey. Welcome to New Jersey. 18 was zombie democracy that closed out the trilogy and then i was done 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 and 
I'm do, but I'm still doing cons, which I love. And I'm up in New Jersey at the Walker Stalker Con, which doesn't exist anymore, which is a shame. It was the just oh, that, 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 those are done now. Well, yeah, I don't know if you know the whole scoop. I don't know if you follow that world. It's it's huge in the Walking Dead world. Yeah, Walker Stalker. If you Google it, just became this pariah. Uh, oh, something happened. Okay. Uh, I the guys that ran it, the one guy that ran it, some issues with him and and vendors or events that were canceled and not and people that said they didn't get their money back oh, and, okay. uh, and and um a bunch of the cast didn't get paid or i don't know but it turned into this whole ugly thing and it got real ugly and real nasty that i attended the very last walker stalker in atlanta oh wow was, i guess i guess I think that was 2000. Yeah, it was 2009. It was about October of 2019. And it got so ugly that this guy had to have armed security there. Wow. Yeah. And there was death threats and the whole event imploded while I was there. And, and that's it. Now, from what I have heard, the guys that ran Sopranos Con, are you guys familiar with that? I've heard that. Uh, I, I'd heard about it. Like, right. Of course, we used to go to the bottoming uh, often when we were younger. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the guys that threw the Sopranos con last year, mm -hmm. I did that show. Oh. And it was amazing. And those guys did an amazing job at that con. It was so unique. It was uh, um, because I have a mafia element. That runs all through books. I have a, a guy called Big V, and then another the, the mob boss called Little V. And you see the rise of Big V, the the small of B, the the fall of Big V, and the rise of of Ragu, his underboss. Um, and so I have a really cool mob arc that runs through all three books. I've got this one scene that I always thought was like a a short. It's a chapter, and it's zombies versus mob mobsters. And it's in, in, the, in the book. And what happens is these three mob families, and I'm giving away some of the book here, but it's just, I love, this was my greatest chap, one of my favorite chapters. These three mob bosses are needing to talk about Big V because they're having worries about Big V. And, they, mm -hmm. and so, but you'll know why in the book. But anyway, so they go to the Pinelands, you know, Pine Barrens, Pine Barrens. Right. And they have this hunting lodge and there's three capos, three consiglieri, and then each of them has a one security guard, you know, so that each there's there's uh, uh, nine guys in this cabin. Now, they're so afraid of FBI spying that they that there's no phones, no radios, nothing. This is a very isolated area of the Pine Barrens where they're having this big conclave of the mob families. And then the zombie apocalypse begins. So these guys don't know anything of it. And then until <laughs> the zombies start coming out of the woods of Pine Barrens and start coming in onto the hunting cabin, they don't know what the hell's going on. And then there's this whole scene with the mob guys against the zombies. And <laughs> Why does it sound like, a, like, like this should be also a video game? Mobsters oh versus zombies. <laughs> well, I wrote it, you know, and then, you know, because I wrote – because there's three different types there. You got this. You got the mob capos who are generally both smart and right. ruthless. You've got the consiglieri's who are generally smart, and then you've got 
the, 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 the security guards, which are generally just violent. And so I've got these three different personality types uh, with each of the families in that one hunting lodge trying to save themselves against the zombies, also trying to figure out what the hell's going on because they have no phones, no nothing. So they don't even know what the hell this is. Mm-hmm. And plus, anyway, plus, think, think of, again, not, not, not going uh, too much into the book, but OK, it's three different families. OK, do I trust this? Maybe, maybe these guys have something exactly. to do with it. And yeah, like exactly. All that shit comes <laughs> out when they first start. Just, just like, those out there, it's like, yeah, mob things in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah there, there have been some incidents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so I was at the Sopranos con which I, God, I can't remember. I'm, it's all becoming a blur, but it was either like November, December. This this was all like right before the COVID ended. And they had all the Sopranos characters there. But then in the middle of the con, this one long alleyway, they set up like the San Gennaro Festival. Like the whole, all the restaurants were there. They set up the Pine Barrens as in the winter. Remember when Christopher and Paul Wallace yeah. lost, they set it up so you could get lost, like walk through they, oh, had God. The they, they set up the whole Bada Bing. They had Bada Bing dancers there. And oh they set God. it up as a private area that you had to be an adult to go in. They had the cars. They had artists there. It was great. It was great. It was great. Um, I think it would probably be the only one. I don't think that, honestly, because remember, the Sopranos, these guys were old guys when the show ran. And the show's been off the air, off the air for like twenty years or something but, or whatever. But they are coming out with well, we'll see if it's a major motion picture or if it's sent right to streaming. But uh, Saints, uh, was it Saints of Newark? I so think all it's- the Saints of all the Saints of Newark. But yeah. But remember, people were there to see the Sopranos actors, right? And yeah. now, pretty long in the goddamn tooth. There, some of these guys, you know, they were great, <laughs> and I love talking to them. But you know, they're they're in their eighties and nineties now. Yep. You know, so I'm thinking, holy cow, how much could these guys, I don't see these guys doing this much more, you know, most of them have kind of moved on to other characters and everything like that, play, played other roles and been off the air for, but, you know, there was about 10,000 people a day pouring in there. It was wow. huge. Well, anyway, long story, circuitous route. Um, I heard those guys had bought Walker Stalker. I, I, that's what oh, I heard. Oh, Okay. So I hope they regenerated. But what happened was, so I was at Walker Stalker in New Jersey and they always did Walker Stalker, New Jersey in December, which was great way to close the year. That was my audience, New Jersey zombie fans, just the nexus. And I would just come up there with a carload of books and be leave with a bunch of empty, let's leave with empty boxes at this thing. It was excellent. But then that, you know, it ended. Um, But while I was at the very last Walker Stalker in New Jersey, I went to the organizers. I said, you know, I walk around. I talk to the the fans, like the the other vendors, the the guys that are crafting Walking Dead cakes and the guys that are dressing up like zombies and that like not just, oh, I threw on some makeup, but I'm talking like all out. out. Yeah. And the people that run tours of the Walking Dead locations, I said, these people are interesting. They're even more interesting than the actors because the actors, you got to say, they're cool, but they're playing a part. They may not even be fans. You know, some of them may not even watch the show. They're there to do a part. 
you know, and one of the things that like a lot of the fans would come up to me and be like, you know, oh, I'm so disappointed. I kind of I was asking Joe Blow about the character and his moat and what happened in season three and why uh, his character. And he's like he kind of brushed me off. And he really signed it and moved on. I was like, you know, he read the script. He's an actor. You know, he, he's not an expert on the zombie genre. And he's not an and if he's doing Shakespeare in the park next week. He's not going to be an expert in Shakespeare. And he's if he's doing a Clorox commercial, he's not. You know, you don't go up to him and talk to him about Tidy Ball. You know, he's an actor. I said, you want to talk to someone that's a true hardcore fan, you talk to any of the authors here that are writing books about the zombie right. genre. Mm-hmm. You talk to any of these artists that are painting pictures or what. This is the hardcore. So I went to the organizer. Said, these guys are – these people are more interesting. I would like to do a panel session where I interview six different vendors that I've met from – that I've met a lot of different cons. And they're like, you know, that's not what we do and everything, but we got a space open. Let's try it. And so I brought up six different, I had, and I have pictures of it. Like I, I, the one that did the dog walk dead, I had the guy that dresses up as a zombie all the time. I had um, the guy that paints all the walking dead picture and all that kind of stuff. And massive response. There was like 400 people showed up and they're like, holy shit, Neil, you know, that's bigger than we get for some of the celebrities that we have on the panel sessions. Awesome. And so it was such a success at the panel session that so many people were interested in hearing, how the hell did you get there? I attend cons. I love going, not me, me, but the person thinking, I go to these cons, I I spend my money, I get my wristband, I I walk around and I'm like, God, I I just love this and I'm here for three days and then it's over. I would, how do you get to being behind the booth? You know, and, and they didn't understand, you know, like, well, it's pretty simple. Well, it's not that simple, but you come up with a way and you don't have to be an artist. You don't have to be, uh, you know, that creative. You can come up with other ways that you find that pe- that show your fandom of that genre and create a little business about it. And then I literally wrote my, an email to my sh- publisher and I said, I want to write about fan entrepreneurship. These are f- entrepreneurs who weren't driven like, oh, I want to become a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee. No, these are people who said, I am obsessed with a television show, Supernatural, and I love Supernatural, and I want to talk to people about the Supernatural series and maybe the mythology behind it, and that's my happy place. How can I start a business? Well, buy the car. You know, I forget what that car make is, but, you know, I've seen a lot of people do that. There's a certain car, and then they have the hood that pops up, and it's got all demon killing tools in there and then hmm. you trick out the car you show up to cons take pictures of people with a supernatural car with a couple I, of cutouts I, I don't know how many cons like like th- there are the cars made to be the cars from the different the, the DeLorean series mm-hmm. yeah like you know you're you're, ta- you're talking you know like like I said supernatural uh ghostbusters like at any of these you know you know, it's not necessarily the original Ecto one, but, yeah, but you want hey, to picture somebody, it. you know, somebody really went all out. They are a huge fan, and they made the <laughs> they made it, uh, their vehicle up to be Ecto one. Yeah, and that's what a fan entrepreneur is. It's not saying like, look, I want to quit my job. And I say that in the beginning of the book. Um, if this is something you say, my life is not going well. And I want to change my life and become a fan entrepreneur and run away and become a millionaire. That, no. This not is not the job stuff. This is, 
I want to do something that is driven by my passion on the weekends or on my vacation. I want to, I want to go to cons. And if I go to a con and I bring my paintings of Batman or, and the Joker, and I spend the whole weekend talking to other fans about the Batman, the Joker, and I sell one painting, I had a goddamn successful weekend because I spent the whole weekend in a genre I love talking to other fans that I love. And if I made some money at it, you're a success. If you don't make money at it, you're still a success if you keep it going. You know, but then that's a fan entrepreneur. That's not something like I'm going to quit my job and do and, and become invent some app and become a millionaire. Sure, if you can do that. So some of the people I talk about in my book actually did become millionaires. Some of them really became super successful at it. But but oh, that's excellent. not the purpose. And you don't go into it expecting that if I don't become a millionaire and quit my job, I failed. That's not the whole point of being a fan entrepreneur. Right. Excellent. So so basically what we're talking about now, this is the basis of business is dead. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like it all kind of melds together. So what happened was my fan entrepreneurship was writing Exit Zero, you know, and suddenly I, so I wrote a book and, and not everybody does that. People write a book and then they may just sit back there. People are not, most authors I know are not outgoing, gregarious. I'm just a natural extrovert. I'm a sales guy. I love it. I love selling. I love talking to people. I, I, I find interest when I'm not, when I'm at the booth and there's downtime or there's panel sessions going on, there's no one. I'll just walk around and talk to the vendors, you know, and just chit chat. And so it became a business. The second book, the third book uh, became a business. And I was like, wow, this is a side business. Not what I do for a living, but it's a side business. And I did it not because I had this driving passion to become an author. You know, some people want to become an author. I didn't. I wanted to be part of the zombie community. I love talking to Jersey, Jersey lore, Jersey myths. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the new, the weird New Jersey guys. Like, oh, yes. funny. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it. And, and so that's how it came about. So I became this entrepreneur because of the books about the zombie apocalypse in New Jersey. And again, I kept it very specific. I didn't just write general zombie novels. Mine are anyone who enjoys the zombie novel can like it. But it's specifically about New Jersey is is the palette like it, the, the, the story couldn't take place as told anywhere else other than. And when I originally wrote it, every chapter was an exit. And what I wanted to do was have it them start uh, at exit 117 and at the end of the book was exit zero. That was the original. For, for those out there, exit 117 is? Hazlitt. Oh, me? Oh, Hazlitt. Oh, I thought you were going to go. No, yeah, no, I'm no, thinking no, that people no, are going to hear. I'm the, pointing, but I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you, you can't see that I'm pointing at your yeah. square there on the. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm exit 11 off the turnpike exit. Uh, 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 yeah, 11 off the turnpike exit 117 off the parkway. Yep. But um, so what I wanted to have it was exit 117 where it starts and go down exit zero Cape May, which was the final, which in the book is where they're all trying to get to, because that's the final extraction point in the first book, in the first book. Got it. Um, New Jersey's being closed off, and the only people that are being left to being rescued are those that make it to Cape May, and they're being ferried off. Uh, and then the the and then they're just gonna. The plan was to nuke Jersey because they needed to stop the zombie apocalypse where it began and just wipe out New Jersey. 
So, 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 just so you know, Neil, you're you're saying that Pete and I actually are pretty screwed because we're, we're we're North Jerseyers. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm 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 up by 163, like up uh, by by the uh, the, the mall uh, central uh, area. I, I, I'm in Hackensack. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, my it's funny because my I, I had a bunch of things in there. Like from my my father was a dentist, and he had a dental. He was in in um, Edison, New Jersey, and then he had yep. another studio in Hazlitt. And then when he retired, I used to say that he was the most feared man in Bergen County Prison because what happened was after he retired, the state came to him and they said, hey, we actually need a dentist in the Bergen County Prison. Would you be interested? And with my father's personality, he was. Mm-hmm. And he became the Bergen County Prison dentist. Yes. And for and those that, that don't know, the Bergen County Prison is in Hackensack. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, and it's a rough prison but he and i swear to god it was the happiest i ever saw him oh, he wow. was he was not a uh touchy feely friendly type guy and he could be his own self in front of the prisoners and they were just so thankful to be out of their cells and it was he enjoyed it he it was the probably the best part of his career <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> yeah but anyway as writing the book, the chronological didn't work out because the book jumps back and forth with the different characters. So I had the bail on the 117 each chapter uh, being yeah. a different title. But I do take a lot of pride in the tight chapter titles. So throughout all three books, for those readers, and please read it, please, please, please read it. Buy them, buy them. Uh, Exit Zero, New Jersey, and Zombie Democracy. Um, I do take... I put a lot of thought into each chapter title because I wanted everything in the book to be unique and funny. And you don't have to be from New Jersey to get the jokes. You know, uh, you know, you you can be anywhere. I've got fans over in the UK and everything. They get it. It's it, it, as long as you've if if you've watched a Sopranos or you've heard Jersey jokes or you've seen Saturday Night Live, Roseanne, Roseanne, Dana. Well, well actually, you know, our our, uh, our uh, title of the podcast comes from Saturday Night Live, Joe Piscopo, yes. Paul hey. Roman. Yeah, you have to Yep, 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 yep. And it was funny because when I went out on exchange for a year in college to California, went to Chico State. And so they met me and I would wear the white kind of wife beater t-shirts all the time and everything. And I had those and I was the style member. This is the 89, this is the early 90s. And the way I talked and I used my hands, they called me Guido. And I got thinking, I said, guys, I'm not a Guido. Guido. But everybody just, they did. I said, I'm a Jew boy, okay? Uh, you know, you Jew boy is not a Guido. But they all latched on. Everybody, I was the first Guido-ish person they had met. So my whole name, my name for that whole year when I was there was Guido. But I was like trying to explain to him why I can never be accepted as a full Guido. But that's, it is what it is. And if anyone ever wants to study Guidology, go go to the uh, Burger King parking lot in uh, Lodi and, and and just watch as they circle. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dan and I used to do that. <laughs> no, no, trust me. The, I was uh, the IROC. You know, you know what IROC stands for, oh, yeah. right? You, you watch them in their natural habitat. Yeah, you know, like the IROC circling, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up on Middle Road, and Middle Road was that's where you Middle Road in Hazlitt, which mm-hmm. was. Airport Plaza at one end, 
Rowered in high school at the other, and they just cruised up and down Middle Road, uh, or we hung out at Airport Plaza, which I, I think is still there. I believe it's still there. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, Airport right. Plaza still there, but um, you know that was it. You know that was the cruise, and that was and 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 I try because my kids grew up here in Northern Virginia, in the genteel, polite world of of northern virginia and so they don't quite understand i i remember the first time i took my wife up to jersey i married and met all my friends and and when all my friends get together it's basically like you know you're everybody's telling all war stories and you and 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 it's whoever talks loudest has the attention so everybody talks louder and louder and you jump in the middle of the circle basically like no 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 and then you're telling a story and everybody's laughing and she thought we were fighting she literally thought we were all fighting. She'd never <laughs> seen people interact like that. And then she was so, cause she's, she's very, very shy. And so we went to a wedding, my friend got married and the Jersey girls are just like, Hey, you, you, we don't know you, but you're now one of us because you're married to one of our guys. And, and they, and with that, and, and well, welcome to the club. <laughs> and she felt so at ease with mm-hmm. them because she felt like, it was a personality type that if they like you, you know they like you. If they don't like you, you you know they don't like you. But there's no uh, we're, we're very <laughs> yes, and there's no putting on airs. There's no like here in Virginia. If someone really hates you, you will never know because it's very very genteel and polite and mm. that type of southern. Where in Jersey, like uh, and it's funny uh, when I went to when I was at Trent State, my cousins who are actually from South Africa mm-hmm. um, came and uh, they, they were, they came and they, I think they landed in Florida and they were driving up the East coast. They were touring America and they stopped and they met me at school and, and they spent a couple days with me and they said, what the hell is it with this state? And since we got to Jersey, everybody wants to punch us in the face. And that was what they said to us. And I go, Oh my God, that's so goddamn funny because that's such a, like a stereotype but these guys actually did come. They were British guys who were living in South Africa and then came and they were traveling the whole from Florida up. And when they got to Jersey, it just went south. That they said everybody in the state wants to punch us in the face. Or the, at least that was their impression. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's not just uh, you know, the there's it's such a stereotype. It's true, man. But it's both good and bad. Like, look, my wife loved it because if you're shy like her and you're quiet, you you come along and the Jersey people will suck up all the oxygen in the room, suck up all the attention. And she's fine with just being there and letting other people suck up that attention and not have to force it onto her. Mm-hmm. And except her because you know English was a second language for her and everything at the time so she didn't she was afraid to talk because she didn't really understand how to you know if she was going to say something inappropriate she was afraid she was going to say something inappropriate she didn't know the language she didn't understand she definitely didn't understand dialects and she didn't understand you know what was sort of more part what what I can't think what you say like uh I need a hoagie or something like the the yeah, yeah, well, the, the vernaculars of like, you know, like, okay, for in North, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. are we talking about a sub versus a hoagie, Taylor ham versus pork roll, you know, yeah, that, that type of, any of that. So, local, like, you know, local, but, uh, a local language. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so I, I tried to get up there before COVID. I was up there once a month. Uh, I was either doing a con, 
I was doing a book signing at Barnes and Noble. Uh, I had in 2020, I was going to be all over Jersey. Uh, almost every month I had something booked and then it all just shit yeah. the bed. And wow. so literally, uh, after, I think, I think I was up the last con I did was January. It's funny. It was Katsu con, which was, you know, it's an Asian con. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wow. then suddenly they're like, Oh, this Asian, the Wuhan flu has hit. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it all came from Asia and I was like, gee, I was just at a con with 60,000 other people from Asia. Uh, but, um, that was the last one I did. So hopefully going to kick it off again. The next one I'm planning to do, Mm-hmm. Um, is is March the end of March in Atlantic City the New Jersey Horror Con? Oh yes, I, okay. I, I, I am uh, familiar with that one. Uh, uh, Rob Bruce actually is one of the uh, people that runs it, I believe. Right? Yes, I've been yeah. doing that for probably my sixth year doing it. Uh, great con. Uh, so hopefully things will go on and, and it'll happen and I'll be there in March at the end of March. And that will be the next, uh, the next thing I haven't booked anything. Cause I don't know what's going to happen yet. Yeah. I know. Well, right. well, it, it, it's, it's very strange though, Neil, the events in your books very much mirror kind of 2020 but minus zombies, of course. But- well, Jesus Christ. No. And did you see, I, I posted something. Um, well, did you see like, Hey, everybody, everybody follows me on Facebook. Um, there was something yeah. that, that uh, some country, I don't even know what it was. I think that these minks like real minks became oh, yes. infected with COVID. Uh, and there was a, it's a European uh, country. I yeah. And, mm-hmm. and some of them they thought were dead and they buried them and they dug themselves out and they weren't actually dead. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that they think that the virus had mutated in some way that made them appear dead but not be dead. And that was a, if you look that up, that was a big story for a couple of days. And I was like, well, that's it. That's it. It's beginning. Uh, here's but the no, zombie part we were looking for. <laughs> look, look at how close I got this. Remember, I wrote this in 2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, mine is a zombie. Is Well, it's a, it's a, and I, I'm giving away a little bit here, but it's a purposefully, released virus now in mine i give the exact reason why the virus comes about i don't oh a, a, a satellite went over and everybody's zombies a chemical release everybody's zombies um no i hate that you know why i tell why they are they are addictive there is a specific reason they look the way they look they absorb their body fat and they look like skeleton mine are called scales that's the nickname they're given because they literally all their body tissue is gone and it's just skin on bone um their brain melts, their stomach transforms into a brain-like structure, which allows them to continue walking. And because they are so addicted to human flesh that they absorb their own human flesh Mm -hmm. and they must consume it every 15 minutes to survive other human flesh. And that is the only thing that will keep them alive. So they are not dead. They are living infected addicted to human flesh and but as they as the fire as the virus continues they lose all sense of reasoning and everything and that's why they become so i wanted to give exactly the medical reason and everything in my book is probable yeah i'm sorry it's possible not probable there is precedent to the virus and the the, the affliction that uh, I describe in my book. It is a real medical term where you absorb your body tissue and literally you uh, now you don't have to eat human flesh, but you absorb, you have no body tissue. You, your body burns its own body tissue so fast 
that you have to eat like every 15 minutes. Um, okay, so mine was a purposeful virus released in the United States during a presidential election year. Okay, mm-hmm. nailed that. Mm-hmm. Presidential election year. I have two candidates running, one of which doesn't leave his house, and the and the other runs the the, the his entire campaign through social media. You never see him in public. He runs the entire campaign through social media. Yeah. So I I predicted, and I don't want to say I predicted this because what I did, no, no, I, no. I, no, no, no. I, but I'm not saying that. Oh, Neil is such a genius. When I was, I'm I'm a defense contractor. And so my, my focus is chem bio red nuke. And so I've done for the last 25 years, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear. And so ideal, my customers are the military, Homeland Security, World Health, CDC, HHS, people that deal with chem bio red nuke and bio is painted. And so being a zombie fan, these people are also zombie fans. And so all along, I've been asking people like, give me a scenario, a medical scenario of what could cause the most zombie-like pandemic. And this is all the feedback. Then my other questions were, if this happened, what would the government do? And I had so many military leaders sending me their zombie apocalypse plans. I'm talking full con-ops developed. Now, most of them did it for exercise. You want to exercise the black swan event. So this is nothing new. You, as a first responder, as a military personnel, you constantly are exercising and you're thinking through events. What would I do if there was a cyber attack? What would I do if there was an electromagnetic pulse that took out all the electricity? What would I do if there was a hurricane that like literally took out the entire East Coast? You know, or, or the um, um, uh, cicada, what is it, the... Uh, the subduction zone. I've got, uh, God, I just drew a blanket. But anyway, there's actually uh, a, a a fault line off the coast of Washington State um, that they've done exercises because it's not if, it's when they have an earthquake. And I'm telling you, Washington, California will become separated from the United States. Wow. Uh, yeah. And they know uh, um, it will happen. The Cascadian subdu- subduction zone, it's called. And it will happen, probably not in our lifetimes, but it eventually will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they've had to exercise for that. Like what would happen? How would we do it? Like California and Washington state nor uh, everything just literally there's a couple miles between the United States and them. Um, so they wrote zombie, you know, cause zombies have the ultimate, you know, black swan. You've got a pandemic, medical pandemic. You've got mass casualty. You've got mass civil unrest. You've got to break down a social structure. You've got first responders and medical people that will not be showing up to work because they're going to be looking after their own family. So you've got everything all at once. So they would send me their whole con ops. Um, so all this was kind of going into that, the systems that they develop, there's a, a system in exit zero called the Kraken. And it's a <laughs> crowd control device released by the military to control the populace of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. That is a real thing that I saw only one was ever built and it was built. It was a program. It was ended after the first release, but it existed. So I exaggerated a little bit, but it existed, and it, wow. but it was meant for overseas. It was never meant for a U.S. population, but it was meant for overseas. Um, but anyway, so all this went in. So I, 
all that kind of became part of the book. So the, the, the fact when the virus starts, when in New Jersey, when New Jersey is sealed off and they have to contain, what do they do? They close the schools. They, they all the universities, and they start storing the zombies there. Because remember, mine, they're not living dead. They're not dead people that you can just go shoot in the head. Mm-hmm. They are infected. So it creates all this issue with, you can't just go kill them. You know, you can't say, oh, well, he was violent or he was infected or he was bitten and or that. No, still living person. You can't. You can't just kill them. They have to store them somewhere, but they're violent. They're very they're Then they are infectious and everything. But you can't. There is no law. There's no. But but, but they they are still human as opposed to your typical zombie story where it's like, oh, they are past dead. Just. Yeah. And people like, oh, shoot him in the head. In mine, you, you could shoot him in the head. It won't do anything. There's only one way to kill him. I won't tell you how, but it's uh, nice and gory and gross. But um, no. So they have to store these people. They have to contain them. Um, so government steps in, starts up, you know, roundup zones, and they they develop apps, which everybody has. And so if I see, you know, uh, a zombie, I take a picture and I swipe right and uh, it immediately sends it and they tag geotag it and they come and they collect it. And when there's large hordes, yeah. yeah. And when there's large hordes coming to you, you get announcements that, Hey, you got to go home from work, be prepared to be in your house for three days, have food, medicine, toilet Toilet paper, paper. you know, (laughs) exactly. Don't attempt to clear your front lawn of zombies. You don't need to call 911 unless they're trying to break in, but just will be there. They're passing through. It's like a snowstorm. Yeah. But then the government gets almost the control of it. And people still got to go on with their life in zombie democracy. The virus has spread nationwide. There's zombies everywhere, but the government doesn't collapse. Society doesn't collapse. Life goes on. Still got to go on dates, go out to dinner, go to work. Just now there's zombies out there. There's one more thing that could kill you. So it's checking out, looking, you have to do a couple different things like wearing masks and all that, that, to protect yourself, to get from here to there, so you don't get attacked by zombies. But it's just, it just America absorbs it and continues on, and then it becomes the next president. And then the third book is the finally the presidential election, where the country has to choose, and the two candidates have two very different opposing views on how to deal with the zombies. Got it. And the country has to decide which candidate do they think has the best way of handling the zombies. And it's very interesting also uh, in, in the material you sent us, um, speaking of presidential candidates, actually, there is a picture with you with uh, zombie democracy with President-elect Biden yeah, and I met. with Dr. Anthony, uh, Anthony Fauci. <laughs> so uh, so I met Fauci about two years ago. Uh, I was speaking at a biocon, uh, like a government conference on biopandemics. And since I had written books on this, I often got like this kind of almost like the uh, comic relief section where I would go up and talk about uh, the zombie apocalypse and how preparing for the zombie apocalypse helps you better prepare for the flu or uh, any other virus that could come on. And, uh, and it's basically about preparedness, resilience, response, um, how to deal with it, how to put plans in place. I actually was part of a Johns Hopkins university event where they went through this. Um, and so I, 
and he was there. And I, I, I don't know why, but we just talked. And then we took a, I, he wasn't famous at the time. And then I took a picture with him. Uh, he was just the head. He was a gut. He's a gutty. He's the head of, uh, was it, uh, NA, whatever that is. I can't even remember what it is, but the, not the CDC, but whatever. No, he said no. it something. But he was just a gummy, mm-hmm. and I took a picture with him. He was a nice guy, and that was it. And uh, I've had that picture ever since. I don't know why I even saved it. It was on my phone. And then, um, and but then I went to an event. Uh, I, I was not endorsing either candidate, but I just went to an event, and Biden was there. And uh, so um, it, afterwards, my wife and I were hanging around because it was in a rich person's home, and there was lots of great food and wine and and people were leaving and then we were like, well, we don't get to these parties that often. So we hung around late and we ended up there. There was not that many people left and Biden was still there chatting with people. So I had my book with me. And so I went up and uh, talked to him about it for a little bit and I uh, got a video me and him talking about zombie democracy. And I gave him the scoop and I signed it for him and everything like that. So it was pretty funny. Oh, so I, uh, I'm hoping. That he, is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I didn't think. And honestly, this was last August. So it was, he was not, he was probably just starting out then, like no one really thought he was going to last as a candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so, true. you know, yeah. I, um, say, like, I, I don't know if, had he even um, basically no. cemented that he was going to be a candidate at that point or he was definitely a candidate, but there was like seven of them at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. He was like one of seven or eight. And yeah, so there, there, are, there are a bunch at the early stages, but I, I remember he kind of like, I thought he, he threw his hat a little bit later in the, uh, in the fray. Uh, yeah. So I think he, it was probably at the, so it was August of whatever that was August of 19. So a year, well, a year, almost a year and a half ago, you know, but um, so it shows, man, if you're in this, if you want to do this, always be prepared because you don't know when the opportunity is going to present itself. So it's not that hard to carry a book. It's the small book. So I had it with me. I always have it with me just in case if someone wants to talk about it, I'll say, hey, you know, or like sometimes like my friends will say, oh, Neil's an author. Oh, my God, I love to. Oh, you know what? I got a book with me. I'm going to sign it for you. You know, if I meet someone that's in, you know, that I want to schmooze with. So Mm -hmm. that's why I had it. And uh, it was just fortuitous. And so that was a funny. And now it's relevant because here he, I got him holding zombie democracy, you know, the book and everything like that. So. Uh, we'll see. I, hopefully, I'll get nominated for a zombie czar. You know, that would be. I, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that will be the new uh, part of the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I know. There we go. Zombies. Uh, hold on. Covering my name there. Oh, there we go. And, and by the way, that's uh, Nuke Jersey. Um, and one thing I, I love about these is the covers. You know, and if, if you notice on all the covers, I've got Easter eggs on them. I designed all the covers, like this one. A lot of people don't realize that it says, you know, must gut them. Um, and what that is is if you in you realize when you realize how the only way to kill zombies uh, is, and so that's you know, and the first one um, you saw the first original one, but that was it. Yeah. And then the the zombie democracy, um, I had two. Um, the the one I really loved was it was the uh, Constitution with Ben Franklin's glasses, but one of the lenses cracked, the pen leaking ink, but it was red ink, 
and that was obviously turned blood and that it leaked into a puddle that was the state that was New Jersey. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? That's a great visual. Yes. So (laughs) it was just the Constitution, the pen, leaking ink, red ink that flowed like a puddle that looked just like New Jersey. So I, I still have it. It just didn't translate well. Like people didn't get it. And so they're like, you know, it, it looks too different from your other two books. And so after some back and forth, we decided, no, it, it, it looks like an entirely different book. And this is a third of a trilogy. You do need to keep consistency. But I still have that artwork. And it's so friggin' cool. And I don't know if you've seen my Nuke Jersey t-shirts where the I designed no, I Oh, you haven't seen that? Um, where I designed, it's the nuclear cloud. And the the plume, the 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 pillar is the state of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, cool. so I copyrighted that. You know, I that's uh, oh, uh, yeah. So I, I I I think a lot about destroying New Jersey. I don't know why. <laughs> and it comes out very artistic, artistic <laughs> ways. I was going to say, but yet you know, you were from here, and you still show the love. But again, sometimes we show the love in. Uh, uh, different in ways. different ways. It's a different type of love. <laughs> exactly. Again, we, we, you know, we're from Jersey, and you know, we understand we, we're the butt of jokes a lot of times, and that, but, and we make the jokes a lot of times. But mm-hmm. you know, we, we love this state. Well, there's so many great. Like I saw a guy with a T-shirt that says, um, "I'm from New Jersey," or New Jersey. We don't like you either. Uh, you know, things like that. It's just awesome. Yeah. Or the the bumper sticker, New Jersey, where the weak are killed and eaten. Um, yeah. You know, there's just so many great punchlines or taglines or whatever you want to call it that just stick with it. You know, like the Joe Piscopo thing. God, that must be what thirty years uh, yeah, yeah, still yeah, probably, at least. Like, probably like very early '80s. Probably like '82. You know, again, we're talking about the Piscopo when Eddie Murphy was first on. You know, like yeah, you know, but we're, we're talking that uh, not exactly the. Uh, yeah, like th- those were probably two of the standouts from from that. Yeah, that was like the worst year. That was the year that they at the end they they kingly killed off the entire cast. Do you remember Basically, that? Which I think mm-hmm. including episode. I think Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, I was about to say the same. <laughs> Gilbert was uh, that year. Was okay. Yeah, and there was um, yeah. God, I don't even remember most of the people, but um, but Gilbert. I, I've got pictures with Gilbert. Um, uh, oh, I still talk awesome. to him on Twitter. Uh, my Gilbert, awesome. my brushes with Gilbert story. Um, when I was uh, in college, uh, he I was a big Stern fan, and he was appearing at, oh, God, I can't think what it's called. It's a New Jersey nightclub. It was very famous. Stress, in the, Stress Factory? No, 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 not a comedy club. It was like oh, they had no. concerts there. and Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember what they had. Art, State Art Center. No, was- smaller, smaller. It was like a small venue, but it was just like the Birchwood or something. I can't remember. Oh, Birch Hill Nightclub. Birch Hill. Something like that, yeah. So <laughs> he was appearing, and I and so I was working for the radio station, for the campus radio station. So I, I sent them an email, and I said, I am with the campus radio station. I had no money. And I said, I would like to interview Gilbert. Would I be able to do a quick interview with him for the radio station as a college kid? And I got free passes to go see his concert. So oh, that was, yeah, I, I conned my way in and I met him and he, and he recorded 
some PSAs that we did. Hey, this is Gilbert Gardner. You're listening to Trent State College Radio, whatever. So then after I graduated, I moved uh, in with a friend in New York City. And who is in the apartment directly above me but Gilbert Godfrey? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And so we would see him almost every day in the elevators. And he is not Gilbert when he's no, on No, no. Like, I saw the documentary. I was going to say, if anyone had seen the documentary, yeah, the no, Gilbert character that. versus it's the Gilbert, great. real Gilbert, they're different. Oh, yes. see, I, I didn't know that. Yes. So I got to see that. I got to look that up. So we you would see him it. all the time and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and very nice guy and everything. But then I start doing stand-up and I started doing stand-up in college and, and it kind of picked up and I was doing stand-up all around New Jersey. And I was mm-hmm. down at um, was it Egg Harbor? What's that? Not Atlantic City, Little but Little what is it? Little Egg Harbor. Yeah, egg, yeah, but uh, Egg Harbor, whatever that beach was, and we were appearing at a country club, at a comedy club. Oh, and okay. Gotcha. Gilbert, Gilbert was the was the headliner. There was some guy that was a middle, and uh, I was the MC. I was the opening act, and I went in uh, after the middle and 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 did another like twenty minutes before Gilbert. And I remember that we got a call that Demi Moore and Bruce Willis were at Atlantic City and they wanted to come over and catch Gilbert's act. And like everybody went panicked. Like, oh my God. Remember, this was, they were the biggest stars in the world back then. So, but anyway, they didn't come, but I ended up hanging out with Gilbert. So then I touched base with Gilbert, like probably not even a year ago. And I said, and I wrote this whole little article about brushes with Gilbert, how Gilbert seems to keep entering my life throughout. So I ended up meeting him at a con. I had my two daughters, my wife with me, and I introduced them to him and everything like that. You know, they don't know who he is. All they know is he's the voice of the parrot. I know he actually, uh, speaking of Jersey cons and that, Gilbert usually likes to show show up at uh, a chiller theater the uh the the uh con i haven't done that i'm thinking about it uh it's one of the ones i'm thinking about you know there's there's a couple in new jersey i, I really hope new jersey gets this shit together and they start the cons again yeah, um other than if, yeah if hopefully walker stalker will kick off um again uh i will be at the new jersey horror con uh i have done um is it monster mania in new jersey I did that a couple of years ago. Uh, Chiller, I'm looking at. Um, and then there's supposedly a new one, a new horror con starting. But then also the I want to hit up back up the Garden State uh, Comic Con. and uh, oh, yeah, East Garden, Garden State Comic, Comic Fest with um, uh, Sal and uh, Dave, yeah. Sal and Dave, yep. I've yep. known them for years. Um, you know, so yeah. So I'm hoping to get back up there. But in the meantime, buy my friggin' books online, people. I will sign them when you, when I see you. I promise. I promise. But uh, I still need to sell books. Excellent. And and I actually, I think that you know, because we're, we're we're close to the end here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the part of the uh, pod we usually like to play a, a little bit of a uh, games uh, here. And uh, Pete, I think I you have some games for uh, Neil today, don't you? Yeah, we're going to do, um, in fact, a uh, a game where you have to decide whether not decide, but determine whether or not said person is from Hazlitt or not. Now, these are notable people. Hazlitt, really? Hazlitt. Yes. Oh, not even from New Jersey, but from Hazlitt. Hazlitt. Holy yeah, shit. Okay. Exactly. So let's start right off. Um, we've got James Coonan. He was an Irish American mobster and racketeer. Yes. He was from Hazlitt. His 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 family lived right around the corner from me. 
Oh, wow. in state of in the state of grace, the movie State of Grace with oh, that was about the, and that was Remember? about the Westies, right? That's about the Westies. They yeah. drive out to New Jersey and they see the head of the Westies. Now, I'll tell you a story behind that. In State of Grace, there's a scene where Gary Oldman opens up a freezer and he's got severed hands in there. And he start and, and what they did is when they killed a guy, they kept the hand to put it on the gun for the next guy they killed. So they got blamed on him. That's yeah. actually true. But that was at Coonan's house in New Jersey, in Hazlitt, um, that in the movie they had it that. Gary Oldman has those hands. No, in the movie, in real life, when they go to New Jersey, he had those hands. And what was funny was his daughter at the time, I remember this, his, he was in prison, mm -hmm. but he had a daughter that was supposedly stunningly beautiful and she was in high school, but none of the guys would go near her because they were just terrified because the, they all knew who the father was. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ha from Hazlitt. Yes, very good uh, there, Neil. Um, now, here's probably a gimme also for you, Neil, because um, we, we, you had on Exit Zero the kind words from Snooki about your book. Uh, how about Sammy Sweetheart Giancola? Oh, that I don't know. I don't uh, I don't even know. I, I know Sammy the Bull with Gravano, I think, with Graviano. And Sammy, Slightly different. Uh, so what it... Oh, so, so from what is, Jersey Shore season uh, one, Sammy uh, Giancola, sweetheart, she actually, what do, you, what do you think, Nick, from Hazlitt or not from Hazlitt? I'll say no. I'll say no. Um, yeah, I, well, I know the answer. You do know the answer. <laughs> Surprisingly, yes, she is from Hazlitt, New Jersey. Oh, what, what I wonder, I, I've never heard, I have to look that up. Yeah, is that crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think she was one of the only ones from Jersey Shore that was from Yes, Jersey. that's correct, uh, Nick. Yep. Well, Snooki's a Jersey girl now. Snooki has the store and everything like that. I haven't heard from her in a, in a while. I, I definitely would love to – she because she's got an amazing following, man. She has cultivated a following. She has. That's true. Um, how about Abel Ferrara, the director uh, who did King of New York and Bad Lieutenant? Do you think he's from uh, Hazlitt, New Jersey? I'll say no. I've never heard that, is he? What do you think, Nick? I don't think so. Well, the answer is a definite no. He's from Miami, Florida. So okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. You got that. All right. We'll do one more. Um, Bennett Jackson, who currently the Jets safety, but he was drafted by the Giants from Hazlitt or not from Hazlitt. I've never heard of him, but I'll say that seems obscure enough. <laughs> I'll say, yeah. <laughs> yep. Nick, yeah, you he, say yes, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a Hazlitt. And indeed, he is from Hazlitt, New Jersey. So, yeah. very right, good. Yeah, I got off there. You have to text. I don't know him. There's there was a professional wrestler that was, I believe, was from Hazlitt. Oh yes, uh, yeah, uh, he's one of the guys in, I believe, the um, what's AEW. Um, Sergeant Slaughter was it? There was a guy. Oh, I don't know. Sergeant Slaughter. Woo. There was a guy when I was a kid who used to drive around in a camouflage VW Bug, and he was a uh, professional wrestler, and that was. You know you know, I wonder if he actually maybe wasn't born in, but I wonder if he moved later to Hasley. Yeah, he may not have been born there, but I remember it was always big thing. Like, oh my god, I saw Sergeant Slaughter at Dairy Queen, or I saw him oh, wow. at, at Krausers. Um, you know that, but there was there was a professional wrestler who lived in Hazlitt. Uh, I, I he I, I don't know, probably was more, but he lived there for a bit. 
because that was the big thing when I was a kid that if someone saw his camouflage painted car that he drove around in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised, Pete, you didn't uh, uh, bring up uh, Jeff uh, Ferrazig or Ferrazig. Um, oh, yeah. He's the director, screenwriter for Devil and Daniel Johnston and the real Rocky about Chuck Webner, the uh, Bayonne bleeder. The oh, guy wow. that went 15 rounds with uh, Muhammad Ali, basically the the story of Rocky. Right, right. ESPN 30 for 30s. Very nice. Did not know that, Nick. Yes, but so yeah. what am I? I think I'm one for four. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, I wanted to thank you so much for being on yeah, our program today. You, and for those that have not uh, followed you yet, uh, where can they find uh, find uh, Neil and uh, Exit Zero? Uh, so uh, if they follow any of the hashtags or, or what do you call it, call signs, whatever, at Exit Zero Zombie, spelled out, not the le- not the number. Exit Zero Zombie, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, um, I'm on all of those. Uh, my books, obviously, are the trilogy. Exit Zero, mm-hmm. Nuke Jersey, Zombie Democracy, and finally, Business is Dead. And all can be found at my website, which is businessisdead.com. Just spelled out, businessisdead.com. Dot com. And if you want to exit zero, it's just EZZombie.com. EZZombie.com. Easy to remember, too. Yes. Yeah. And again, we'd like to thank you for being on our program yeah, today. Thank you, thank you for having me. It was been wonderful. Fun. Love chatting with you guys, man. Definitely. Yeah. And, and uh, for, for those out there, please remember to uh, follow uh, What Exit Jersey Stories on your favorite podcast app. Um, you can also catch us when we're doing these live podcasts. On uh, Facebook, we're part of the uh, shared universe uh, of Mike and Ming uh, from Comic Book Men, and um, uh, you, you can find us at also What Exit Podcast at gmail.com And <laughs> going against the grain of and what you suggested, we have to fix it uh, on Twitter. We're <laughs> Exit What? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we kind of screwed up there. It's okay. But again, four. What exit? Jersey Stories. I've been Nick Franco. Yeah, I'm Pete Riario. And I'm Neil Cohen. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Take care. Have a good night. Bye.